Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it was from West Virginia, it couldn't even get a date at a family reunion. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, reminding you, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead and turn it off right now. Okay, there we go. Good. And on this week's show in Pipe Parts Trip Report. Yeah, Pipe Show Trip Report. First one in, uh, I don't know, 21 months. Uh, so I'll go over my uh, visit to the Columbus NASPC show, and uh, all I can say is, God, it was good to be back at a pipe show. Uh, and then my guest is uh, a novice pipe smoker, Matt Dixon, who is also a professional chocolatier. And I really enjoyed the discussion with Matt, and then even more, uh, I enjoyed the after-recording discussion because... There's a lot of um, uh, there, there's a lot of corollaries between uh, chocolate and tobacco, and uh, we had a, we had a great discussion. Uh, music is from his wife, so you'll hear about that. She's a professional cellist, so we have uh, string music two weeks in a row. This one dramatically more classical than last week, so <laughs> promise. Um, so that's music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. If you could, please go over to Apple Podcast or iTunes or whatever it's called and leave us a rating and a review. That would be absolutely wonderful. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, if you listen on, uh, on, if you listen on all your uh, podcast devices... Here's a thing that you can do that is really easy that helps out the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, listen all the way to the end of the show. Uh, there is a, uh, there's a calculation that's uh, important to the show, and it's called uh, percentage of show listened to or whatever. Uh, the uh, podcast world average, you know, the average in the podcasting world is like 68%. And we hit over 80%. So all you have to do is just let it play all the way to the end. And that will help the show as well. All right, enough of that. Let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so uh, in preparation for the NASPC or the uh, for the Columbus Pipe Show, uh, as I told you, I was in uh, pregame looking around at values of pipes, what's on the market right now, and this, that, and the other. Uh, at the same time I was doing that, well, my pipe budget kind of uh, went out the window as I found two Sato pipes, and two Sato pipes made their way to me. So that was kind of my pipe budget. So I went 
you know, at that point I switched gears and said, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of focus on tobacco. So that was my mindset. Uh, the, the travel portion of the trip was fine, except for the hour long closure of, and this is going to tie into the rant later on, uh, the hour long closure of the, of the interstate because of an accident in a work zone. Uh, so we got a little bit delayed, but then got into Columbus later that night. And I'll tell you the last hour of driving was, uh, uh, pretty entertaining because we had a fantastic lightning storm with not much rain, but just a good lightning storm. Uh, so anyway, we get there. Uh, the next morning I get up, I'm having my morning coffee and smoke and talking to a couple of the guys from uh, from New York. And, you know, they tell me that uh, uh, Judd Pearlson, who is a uh, stalwart on eBay and a regular of the pipe show circuit, has got uh, tobaccos for sale in his room, and they're really cheap. Uh, so I'll, I'll let's just say the next thing I did was I went to Judd's room once I found it, and yeah, wow. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Friday morning, and uh, you know the rest of Friday afternoon was spent with the wife out, you know, going around Columbus a little bit and getting some lunch. And then by the time the pipe show had opened at 4.30, 4.45 that afternoon, uh, the room was full. I mean, the room was absolutely full, full of people and vendors and just, you know, fantastic. It was great to see that many people. Uh, by the time the show had already opened, I made a quick runaround, you know, to see what was going on. Uh and this is again going to tie into my going through my tobacco haul that I picked up. Uh, Ewan Reese was selling some tobaccos, old McClellan, $25 for 50 gram tins, $40 for 100 gram tins, and so on. Uh, every table inside the room looked full. I'm going to point you towards a couple of places for a really great. Uh, visual recap of the of what the pipe show looked like. Uh, one is uh, Neil Osborne's Instagram. It's npod npod one o one. Neil took some great photographs and a lot of photographs of the entire pipe show. So go check out his Instagram account. And then on YouTube, go over to the Virtual Pipe Club because they had their normal Saturday. Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time meeting, and there was a couple of guys there that were uh, from the Virtual Pipe Club, and they took over the club and walked the entire pipe show floor. So you get to see them, uh, and again, just you know, that way you get a real good visual of what happened at the show. Uh, there was, uh, I think, in my opinion, uh, there was not as many um, artisan pipes as there was there in the past. But again, just a lot of uh, you know, a lot of great pipes to look at. Lots of pipes that were on deal and, or on special, and that's because you know a lot of these normal pipe show exhibitors had been sitting on these pipes for two years. So uh, I did see Costellos at fifty percent off retail. Now let's take a minute and recap what I came home with. So again, I said that uh, Judd Pearlson had uh, had his room open on Friday morning, and I did well. 
I believe I ended up with 24 tins of tobacco. Uh, the average, most of the ones I picked out were $10 tins. A couple were $20 tins. And a couple of the $20 tins, one of them is a Rattray's Black Mallory blended by Charles Rattray at Perth, Scotland. Now, this is a bit of a uh, $20 gamble because I think the tobacco inside is dry. I think the can probably got, uh, the can's got a dent in it and it probably leaked. So I'm going to try to slowly but surely, you know, humidify it. And again, it's just something that for, you know, for 20 bucks, this tin dates back to uh, the 70s or 80s. So it'll be fun to try. Uh, there was also another tin of Rattray's Bla uh, Black Mallory that dates back to the late 90s that I picked up. And again, that was $20. But it's from the late 90s. Uh, the other big purchase that I made, and uh, for those of you that follow Steve Fallon's Pipe Stud site, uh, McCraney's Red Ribbon, the 1983 crop canned in 99. Yeah, th this one was 50 bucks, And that's... Yeah, again, a discount off of what I've seen him sell for for like $75. Uh, from Ewan Reese, a tin of uh, McClellan Beacon Extra, yeah, $25. I was gifted, and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, the amount of people that I saw and said hi to, and yeah, it was just absolutely wonderful to see everybody. Uh, and I was gifted a tin of the McClellan uh Carolina ribbon with Perique that was made for the Kansas City Pipe Club in 2007. And that's, you know, one of my favorites that they've ever done. And they only did 100 tins of it. Uh, at Judd's Room again, made in 1999, uh, Benjamin Hartwell. And I, I don't know if we've talked about Benjamin Hartwell before, but two of those are McClellan blends. One is a Sutliff blend. And they're all canned by McClellan. This is one of the, the this is the straight Virginia Flake from McClellan. Uh, I got four of these cans, and they were ten bucks each. And these are from 1999. Uh, other stuff. Uh, here's here's a great one. Uh, a five-year-old tin of a Scudo for ten dollars. Yeah, that's right. $10 for a five-year-old tin of a Scudo when brand new. They're, what, 12 13 uh, And then I did the same thing again, except this one, I believe, is about three years old. So a couple of those. Uh, I did pick up some tobaccos that I'm going to, you know, that I, got, uh, that I got for people that I know will like it. Uh, obviously not my favorites, but, uh, you know, Durbar, uh, uh, yeah, Dunhill Durbar and Dunhill Nightcap. Uh, made in the EU, nothing special, just the last productions before they probably switched their name over. Uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of Sutliff, Virginia, Puri crumble cakes. I think they were $5 each. Uh, some more older McClellan in the $10 range. Uh, Cornell and Deal, small batch Carolina red flake, uh, from two different crops, 10 bucks each. So again, I was able to spend, you know, I, I ended up coming home with 31 tins of tobacco and one pouch of tobacco. Uh, Merchant Service Pipes is doing a, did a line of tobacco with Ken Byron Ventures. And I like the names. This one's called Keep Calm and it's a, a Virginia Perique. But spending about 300 and 
$60, and I came home with 31 different tins of tobacco. A couple of them are 100 grams. Uh, you know, you can make money. I could literally make money off of selling these and then pay for the hotel room and the whole trip and still have some good tobaccos left over. So when you go to a pipe show, you know, and again, that, you, know, you had people that couldn't sell the stuff online or don't have access to online or don't want to sell online. So they just put them out for deals. Uh, in Judd's case, you know, he buys estates and sells the pipes and accessories on eBay and then usually takes the tobaccos to pipe shows. Well, he's been doing that for two years now and hasn't had access to a pipe show. So he was happy to bring big piles of tobaccos and, you know, just get rid of them. Uh, and there's some, yeah, there's some stuff in here that I haven't seen in a long time and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, the rest of the show, uh, pretty un, you know, just a great time hanging out with people. The only complaint that I might have about the, uh, about the pipe show itself is that the outdoor smoking area did not have any cover to it. So Friday night when it started to rain, we all ran to the, <laughs> we all ran to the front porch of, or the, uh, you know, the driveway of the hotel and then Saturday during the day, it was a little bright and sunny out there. But other than that, you know, catching up with some people that I hadn't seen in three, four years. Uh, I hadn't been to that show in particular since 2018. So it was great to see the, you know, great to see some of the regulars again. Great to see a lot of people that this was their first pipe show or they normally wouldn't come to this show. But because there hasn't been another show near them, they made the trip for it. And... The hotel, you know, staff was fine and, and dandy. Uh, the hotel room, the uh, best water pressure in, a, in an American hotel shower I've seen in a long time. <laughs> but other than that, you know, just a, just a really good time. And, God, I, was, I wasn't ready to leave, but I was ready to leave and get back home and start thinking about what am I going to do with all these tobaccos. Uh, this tin of Dunhill Dark Flake that looks like it might have been made in 08 is uh, looking pretty interesting to me. Anyway, that is my pipe show report. Again, go to uh, Neil uh, Osborne's uh, Instagram account, npod101, or go to the uh, Virtual Pipe Club's most recent YouTube video, and you will see really good coverage of you know what the show looked like. All right, in just a moment, my conversation with Matt Dixon. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for another seven questions for a novice pipe smoker. Again, two to five years of pipe smoking and uh, you survived it and you're into it. So uh, joining us is Matt Dixon. Matt, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's a huge, huge honor to be here. I've been listening to your show for a couple of years, and so it's it's exciting to uh, and surreal to be on it. 
<laughs> really so, appreciate you having me. So we know you've listened to the show, so that means you're willing to come on, which means you're probably not too smart, but I'll, I'll speak slowly <laughs> for you. Um, Matt, where'd you grow up? When did you grow up? Have you grown up? What did you want to do for a living? Yeah. Um, I, I working on growing up, I think, I hope, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, grew up in Annapolis, Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, I still sort of live in that area. Um, when I was younger, I was kind of all over the place with what I wanted to, to do as a, as an adult. Um, I thought about doing photography. I did architecture. I studied architecture at the community college for a little bit. Um, but I always had a passion for food and cooking. So I kind of ended up going to the Culinary Institute of America um, in upstate New York. And Ooh. now I own and uh, make chocolate. I am a professional chocolate maker. <laughs> I own my own chocolate company here in Washington, D.C. Um, and so that's, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, that, is really, that what Washington really enjoy it? Is that what Washington stands for? Dark chocolate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They actually used to uh <laughs> one of DC's nicknames is Chocolate City and yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a good place. We're one of the only um one of the only chocolate makers out here and yeah, I didn't I didn't know I'd be making chocolate when I grew up, but I, I knew I wanted to do something with food and somehow here I am. <laughs> So are we talking about, I mean, like from scratch, making all kinds of little chocolate bars and chocolate treats and doodads and whatnots and creating recipes and then adding weird shit into it? Yeah. Yeah. We make chocolate uh, completely from scratch. We import beans um, primarily from Brazil, um, Guatemala, a little bit from the Dominican Republic, and we make make the chocolate and then we... Yeah, put all kinds of stuff in it and make it into bars and um, sell it. Yeah. So that means that you must have like a fairly refined palette of, uh, you know, taste profiling and flavoring and uh, recipe making. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I spent, uh, well, my, my parents spent a lot of money to put me through the Culinary Institute of America. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully that paid off. Yeah, I, mean, I like to, I like to think it did. Uh, yeah. Well, if, if you live near it, they call it the CIA, but it's really a different kind of CIA, but that's not a, I mean, that's, that's a, that's kind of like the Juilliard of cooking yeah. Yeah. It's, it was an honor to get in and to go there. And that's, that's why I say culinary Institute rather than CIA. Cause sometimes <laughs> when I say CIA, people are like, Ooh, I don't know if I should talk to you. <laughs> you live near Washington, DC. They're like, so what? Every third person works for the CIA. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then that, that also kind of adds to it because then they really think I'm in the CIA. We're in DC. I say I went to the CIA and then they're really like, Ooh, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you got to educate me now. So what's the difference? And so there's dark chocolate and milk chocolate. Are those the two basic kind of chocolates? I know there's a white chocolate too, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, dark chocolate, there's some weird definitions um, because the FDA kind of defines those mm. terms as well. And then also, so do we like chocolate makers. And as sort of a craft chocolate maker, just like in the craft beer world, we try to sort of set ourselves apart from the more like commercialized kind of not so quality 
types of chocolates. I won't name names, but you know, <laughs> the stuff you can most commonly find in your grocery stores and gas stations and that kind of stuff. We won't say um, M&Ms or Hershey's. Yeah, no, we won't. Okay. I won't say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we sort of define the FDA defines dark chocolate as anything that contains over 30% um, cacao, like for any okay. ingredient from the actual plant. Um, milk chocolate is defined basically by any chocolate that has milk powder, milk added to it. Um, and we kind of follow those definitions. Um, but through those guidelines, all of our chocolate is dark, including our milk chocolate. Um, because even our milk chocolate contains 57% actual cacao. Um, so we call it dark milk chocolate. And then we, we make a bunch of various like single origins. Um, we make a blended chocolate and then all of our flavored, flavored stuff. And so that's kind of the categories that for us, it falls into is like single origins, blends, milk, and then flavored or like inclusion chocolate. It's sometimes called. That's where we put like the cherry and the rum and the, and the different liquors into that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we actually, we do a barrel aged, um, series of chocolates. We've aged in wine barrels, bourbon barrels is our most popular. Um, we've done rye barrels. Um, we right now have a pomo barrel from a local cidery that we've got some, uh, cacao aging in. Um, and we've wanted to try rum. We haven't done rum yet, but we're trying to get our hands on a rum barrel. <laughs> so you're, you're aging the natural beans in there. And then hoping that they pick up the essence of whatever the whatever the barrel is and it transfers into the finished chocolate. Yes. Yep. Okay. And that's exactly what happens. We put our uh, our nibs in there, um, which is the bean just after the roasting process and after the shell has been removed. And uh, we let them sit in there for anywhere from like four to six months. We had one that went about nine months to a year. Um so we kind of we kind of vary it and kind of play with the different amount of time, but uh, but yeah, and it it's surprising how much it, it really it works and it makes a huge difference with the uh, the final product. <laughs> you can really taste it; it's cool. So this is surprisingly close to what happens on the pipe tobacco side because yeah, now you've had to buy all that all those raw materials, which the the raw cacao is not cheap anymore. And then you've got to process it and age it and hold it and pay for it all that time while it's sitting there waiting. And then you might get to sell it, what, seven, nine, ten months a year later? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's a long process. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's worth it, though. Um, wow. Yeah, it makes, it makes really good chocolate. <laughs> all right. Why does the doctor tell me that if I'm going to eat chocolate, eat dark chocolate? Ah, yeah. Um, probably most likely because of sugar content, because it's lower in, in sugar. Okay. Um, and then dark chocolate also contains a lot of like antioxidants and um, to get really kind of nerdy about it. Um, You're on a pipe and tobacco podcast. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> yeah, the, the antioxidants are also uh, anthocyanin and also like because that's cacao is actually purple when it comes right out of the pot the bean is purple um so it's got a ton of anthocyanin which is a big antioxidant and then the fat the cocoa butter 
is rich in omega threes and some omega six. Okay. So like, it's actually a pretty healthy fat for you. Um, so as long as there's not a lot of other junk, paraffins, waxes, sugars, um, it's actually, it's actually pretty, pretty dang good for you. And there's also theobromine and caffeine. Um, theobromine, I like to call the, uh, more tame cousin of caffeine. <laughs> um, it has a very similar effect on your body that caffeine does. It's just not as intense. Um, so, which is the other reason if you eat chocolate late at night or cocoa nibs late at night, which I've made the mistake of doing more than a few times, you'll be up at 4 a.m. and like, what the hell just happened? I didn't have any coffee. Oh, right. I <laughs> ate a bunch of cocoa nibs. <laughs> so, so maybe one or two pieces of dark chocolate in the evening as dessert is perfectly fine, but don't eat a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. You, unless you want to be up late, then, then it's definitely a good snack to, uh, you know, if you're driving late or something, keep yourself awake. <laughs> yeah. And, and before I forget, do you sell online or do you ship or is it just walk up to your store in DC and, and buy it there? We do, uh, primarily online and we ship, we ship year round. Um, in the summer, it gets a little more difficult because we have to pack everything with ice and insulated and okay. do rush shipping. Um, but yeah, we we have a website where the name of the company is Harper Macaw. Um, and our website is just harpermacaw.com. Um, it's Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, and then Macaw, like the bird, M-A-C-A-W. Perfect. Glad you spelled that because I was going to go, okay, <laughs> we got to figure out Macaw. Um, well, <laughs> this has been fun, So, but... <laughs> God, I could talk to you more about chocolate. Um, wait, <laughs> I've got coffee. That's close. It's a bean. Yeah. It was roasted <laughs> and cracked. Um, you, let, let's get your first question out of the way here. Uh, you survived getting started smoking a pipe. What was your aha moment that got you past the trial period? Yeah. So when I, I think I had a very similar kind of like pipe start as a lot of people and especially like the other novices that you've uh, been interviewing. Um, I kind of got into it. I had a friend whose dad got him a pipe for his 18th birthday. His dad was a pipe smoker, um, Navy guy, of course, for in Annapolis. Yeah. And uh, he, I thought that was really cool. It was, it smelled great. And so I went out and I got myself uh, like a basket pipe from a pipe shop <laughs> Um and we were buying like the aromatic like blends that the the local shop just had in the counter. We'd go in and smell everything and um, definitely burnt ourselves more than a few times. Um, but I don't know, even at, even then I didn't get scared away. Like I, I did like we had been also smoking cigars and I've been smoking cigarettes for a while, too. And uh, it just it was sweet. It tasted great. It smelled great. Um, so I just just kept going. Um, and I think eventually I put it down for a while. I, there was like a gap where I didn't smoke for maybe like three, four years even. And just recently in the last like three years kind of picked it back up. I only did it for maybe a year, like right after high school. Um, and then kind of, I don't, I don't know what happened. I just kind of lost track of it. I started smoking cigars more and I was trying to quit cigarettes. So then I wasn't smoking anything. Um, but I found it. We were moving and I found my, my one, my favorite pipe. And one of the only ones I had other than that basket pipe is a Savinelli um, that I saved up for. And that was a whole adventure um, going to get that <laughs> pipe. They actually, 
the guys at the pipe shop um, held it for me for a few weeks so I could save up and come back and buy it, which was really cool. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I kind of found it again and I had like a really old bag of some kind of like vanilla Cavendish that had just been sitting there. It was like super dry and I was like, I don't think I should smoke this. So I started uh, kind of digging around and trying to find tobacco. And then I got, I got online and there was just this ton of information. I found the, pipes magazine forum and i found the country squire um and i ordered a bunch of blends from the country squire and just got those i was really excited and started smoking them it was like oh man this is this is great why did i ever why did i ever stop and then i just went whole hog (laughs) from there (laughs) so do you think by the time you got around to it the second time maybe you were a little more mature and maybe uh, yeah and had a little bit more information at your fingertips yeah yeah for sure um when i first learned to smoke a pipe it was really just the people at the pipe shop that kind of told us how to do it and looking back i know i was definitely doing some some wild things that were not helping (laughs) (laughs) they were not helping us have a, a a good experience but i think we were determined and we liked the way it looked so we were just doing it anyway we weren't gonna stop and you know, I, th- I think we were also smoking cigars probably a little yeah. too hot at that time, too, because I, I remember so many nights where we would have a cigar or a pipe and your mouth would just be total like like dry. I don't know how to describe it, but it was just not <laughs> not good. <laughs> so we were like, oh, that must just be how it is. Like, whatever. <laughs> just kind of not <laughs> weren't thinking about it. Yeah, sensory overload. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Matt, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, We're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with, uh, uh, you know what, we're just going to call you the Willy Wonka of Pipe World. The, the chocolatier, Matt Dixon. Matt, ready for question number two? Yeah. What tobaccos did you try based on a recommendation that you did not like? Yeah, that's okay. So that's a good one. I have to think of oh, what, what was one that I really didn't dig. So I have, I have another friend of mine that um, we had been friends for a while and then somehow didn't know we were both pipe smokers um and found out we're like oh my god you smoke you smoke a pipe oh and then we started smoking together a lot and um just hanging out and talking about pipes and trying all kinds of tobaccos together and 
So he's kind of become my my dump for <laughs> for tobaccos I don't <laughs> like. If there's something I don't like, I end up giving it to him. Um, and one of those was the the Mac Baron Navy Flake. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about it that didn't work for me. It was like it, there was this kind of bite and this kind of real like I was always getting this like cigarette like flavor that that I didn't dig and uh i tried drying it all kinds of different amounts and leaving it out for days till it was like crumbling to dust and like <laughs> everywhere in between and it it just never never worked for me so i ended up giving it to him and uh he loved it so it worked out, <laughs> it worked out great <laughs> that's why you make so many different kinds of chocolates yeah yeah exactly Exactly. And I, I felt kind of bad that I didn't like it there. I've had some remorse of like, you know, I don't know. I like, uh, <laughs> like, Oh, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Just like, Oh, uh, maybe something's wrong with me that I didn't yeah. like this blend that everybody seems to, you know, rave about a bit. <laughs> well, this wasn't a perfect marriage. Um, your next question is how has your preference in pipes changed over time? You know, bent versus straight, large versus small, smooth versus rusticated. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I first started out, I got that basket pipe. Um, and that was a pretty big, like bent pipe. And it also had all kinds of, it would gurgle and like, (laughs) it would be really wet and terrible. And eventually the stem got really loose to the point where, I'd be smoking it and the, the bowl would just drop off the stem unexpectedly. <laughs> oh. I'd be left with a stem hanging in my mouth and fumbling, trying to catch the hot, hot pipe while ash and everything went everywhere. Um, and it was, it was a pretty big bowl on that too. And I think once I got the Savignelli, um, which was a straight pipe and was, which was recommended to me to stop all the gurgling and the, <laughs> and the issues that I was having with the bent, um, that really changed my preference to, I really prefer straight pipes or if it has a bend, kind of a, a gentle bend, kind of like, you know, what I'm smoking here. I don't like too much more, more than that. Um, and I tend to like smaller, smaller bowls, like pot shapes and billiard shapes. I don't want anything too, too huge. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's a, uh, it seems like every pipe, even when I'm getting something that's like relatively a small bowl, I smoke it for a very long time. Um, I know people will talk about these like 20, 30 minute smokes and they're like group one pipes. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this pipe is a group one and I've been smoking it for two hours. Like, I don't know if I'm (laughs) (laughs) what I've done, but (laughs) so I tend to aim for smaller pipes so that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, not smoking for, for, forever i can actually come back inside and see my wife and <laughs> get get something done <laughs> pipes of all sizes yeah uh your next question is what was your holy grail pipe when you started smoking a pipe and what is it now yeah um so the holy grail when i first started was definitely that that Savinelli. um i went into that shop and uh it was a straight straight pipe. It's a paneled billiard. It was really beautiful. I loved the grain on it and it was a Venecia. So it had that little sailboat stamp that mm-hmm. Savinelli does. And I grew up sailing in Annapolis and, and big part of my, my life. So I was like, Oh my God, I have to have this pipe. It's got a sailboat on it. 
Um, so like I said, I saved up for weeks. I begged the shop guys and they were like, we'll hold it for you. <laughs> well, you only got two weeks. I was like, okay. So I went and I picked up a bunch of after extra shifts at my job and came back and, and got that pipe. And that was, that was huge. And that pipe is still really sentimental to me. Um, but now I've kind of gotten into more of like the artisanal and kind of more of like the, um, American makers and also mm -hmm. other like, you know, hand handcrafted more than like the factory pipes. I still love Savinelli and I have a bunch of them. Um, but right now I really, it was a Yeti for a while and I got, I finally got a Yeti. Um, but I really want an Eltang and, uh, I've also been looking at El Ducas. Um, I really, really love the style of the El Ducas. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's what I'm longing for now. <laughs> so to put it in chocolate words, you kind of went from, you know, the convenience store chocolate to the Godiva and the Lint chocolates to now you're into the artisan handcrafted chocolates. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very much exactly like my chocolate and food taste. It went the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're stuck for life. Congratulations. I'm trying to avoid starting making uh, pipes like I did with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's probably more money in chocolate. That's all I can say. Um, your next question is, what are a few of your favorite guests from past episodes and why? Mm. Yeah. So there is a bunch that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the interviews with uh, Julius Fez. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his story was really, really interesting. And I also thought it was cool. My wife being a professional cellist that he was making pipes for Pablo Casals. Yeah. Um, that was like a really unexpected and kind of exciting, uh, connection. And I went and I told my wife that, and she was like, what? I didn't even know he smoked a pipe. And then we were looking up all pictures with, of Pablo Casals with, with his pipe. And she was like, oh man, that's awesome. So she was, <laughs> she was excited too. Um, but I've also enjoyed the interviews with uh, Jeff Grasick and, uh, you know, his knowledge of pipe making. And I'm I'm into all this this kind of craft and like the artisanal, like hand making and really like dedication to making something that's functional and and also beautiful is I'm I'm really into that kind of thing. So listening to how he makes pipes and cares about the process and the, the functionality is really, really interesting to me and then of of course mike and mary mcneil about the you know <laughs> history of tobacco <laughs> and and their their process and in, in at mcclellan like yeah there's just there's just so much i could <laughs> i could go on it's it's really an awesome awesome show so i'm gonna i'm gonna deviate a little bit here because i also want to know uh how often uh how often are you smoking a pipe now do you get a, do you get a chance a couple times a day or weekly? Yeah, so I I definitely smoke at least once a day. Um, it's usually at the end of the day when I'm finished everything and come home from work. Um, I'll sit out on the porch, or if it's a rare occasion that my wife will let me smoke something aromatic inside, uh, especially if it's the weather's not good. Um, but yeah, and sometimes we was talking about the long smoke. Sometimes I start a bowl. And I'll sit outside for an hour or two and I haven't finished it. And so I'll put it down and I'll finish it the next day. Um, but yeah, it's usually at least one, one bowl a day. Um, 
every day. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no risk of ash ending up in the chocolate because you're hanging your pipe over while you're making chocolates. Yeah, no, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> Darn. I've uh I've I've listened to a couple episodes where I think it was that somebody made a uh like a tobacco flavored popsicle or ice cream. Yeah. Was that that sounded pretty wild and I've heard of a couple chefs that have done that with like cigar <laughs> tobaccos before and I've I've never tried to do that with chocolate. I'm a little I'm a little scared of it. I, I think the nicotine would be dangerous <laughs> oh that'd be fun though all right yeah your, your next question is uh what is your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe yeah so i usually sit out on my porch uh with my dog sometimes my wife joins me um just uh listening to music listening to the podcasts um reading yeah that's that's usually what i really enjoy or sitting with my buddy and and just talking hanging out um I really enjoy when I get to take a pipe out on the sailboat and we get, get to anchor and I can just sit on the boat and smoke the pipe and just enjoy the, enjoy the weather and the scenery. Yeah. Yeah. That's my old story of the fisherman out to sea with his pipe. That's all bull hockey because the wind out to sea is a mess to deal with and keeping a pipe lit. So Yeah. Yeah. My dreams were dashed. I had a similar like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to take my pipe out on the boat and I'll sail and I'll smoke absolutely no, no no way you have to <laughs> <laughs> i had to wait until we were not moving we were at anchor and i had to light the pipe in the cabin and then come up so there's no wind and use my wind cap and <laughs> <laughs> yeah even then it can be a uh, a process to keep it lit <laughs> yeah welcome to fiction busted uh, yeah <laughs> you get to ask me one question anything you want to know i don't know like what what would you like to see change maybe with like the way like to people's perception of like tobacco smoking and usage and that kind of stuff is really going in a direction that is not, it's not good for us. <laughs> it's yeah. not, you know, it's going where things are going to be really expensive or non-existent and um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bummer. So I, I don't know, like, I guess my question is what, what can we all do to help prevent that from happening? And what, you know, where, where, yeah, where's, where's this going to go? Cause I don't want to see this, this disappear, especially the tobacco side of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my, I mean, my thought on that is, you know, you're, you in the, in the chocolate world of, you know, Willy Wonka, the pipe smoker, um, you and the chocolate world have a similar issue potentially coming up that we in the tobacco world are facing right now. Uh, the people that are having a, that are living a really unhealthy lifestyle are the ones that are slamming Snickers bars for meals and swallowing M&Ms and, you know, eating a whole bunch of chocolate on a regular basis. They're not coming to your website and, ordering a whole bunch and eating it all it's it's a whole different thing where you know somebody might have one or two pieces of your chocolate a day as a treat and it's not unhealthy because it's in moderation and it's top quality product uh, what i would really like to see the world do is just say hey you know tobacco is a uh, tobacco is a pleasure to some people 
and it's an enjoyable event for people. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's a similar product to what's made into factory-made cigarettes, and I, you know, use factory-made. Um, and chewing tobacco, yeah, those two things do they they service one they service a need, and they do it very well. I don't like seeing all those things get swept in. So, yeah, you know, I use I use chocolate as an example because I could see the, you know, the do-gooders stick their nose in your business people saying, you know, all this chocolate is bad for you, and we need to regulate the amount of sugar content in chocolate because uh, sugar is causing a problem. No. You know, you want to you want to get less sugar in your diet. Just eat instead of eating a foot long chocolate bar, have one inch a day. You know, moderate it and and let the let people deal with that. Um, yeah. You know, I would like to see that happen. I would like to see more pipe smokers have places in public to go and sit and smoke a pipe. Uh, you know, and, and as I've said in the past, I really do celebrate the places that allow me to enjoy my pipe at their place of business, and I will go out of my way to support them. Uh, so, yeah, you know, for me, a, a, a chair with a cup of coffee and a, and a cookie or a brownie and a pipe afterwards in public, I mean, that's about as close to heaven as I can get, you know, I'd prefer it be someplace you know someplace with a view instead of a back alley but you know it is what it is uh um, yeah. you know but just let let the businesses decide what they want to do uh and let people decide you know everybody knows if you eat the whole 12 piece kentucky fried chicken bucket yourself you're gonna you're gonna have problems with that but yet nobody's telling kentucky fried chicken they can't sell the 12 piece bucket so, yeah, yeah. I there. There's my there's my long story to that. Um, let everybody do what they want to do. So, uh, did that answer that for you? Kind of, sort of, maybe somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I just yeah, it's also something that's interesting to me because of the. I think there's a lot of similarities between the struggles of like what's happening with cacao farms and like tobacco farmers too. Yeah, where you know there's just the the big companies are so exploitive and then it's hard to get it for prices that are worth anything and it makes the lives harder for the farmers and then everything kind of starts to go extinct extinct because of that vicious cycle and yeah i don't know it i love to do whatever we can as a community <laughs> to try and stop that <laughs> same thing happens in the uh, in the coffee world too where yeah, it's a race to service the biggest account, and then the small guy gets wiped out. But anyway, now that we've depressed everybody, we'll do your fast five final <laughs> questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, my I have a uh, BST uh, bent uh, pot, uh, rusticated um, bent pot that I that I love. I smoke all my Latakia and English mixtures in it, and it's just great. Um, though it's a toss up between that Savinelli too, cause that's sentimental for me. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite tobacco? Um, my favorite tobacco 
right now I'm still kind of trying things and trying to kind of feel out where my palate is. I think I have like 50 jars of open tobaccos that I'm cycling through. Um, I really enjoy GLP's sextant. Um, I think that's, that's up there amongst my favorites and also, uh, uh, plum pudding, plum pudding and Westminster. I, I really, really enjoy those. What is your favorite drink? Uh, Manhattan or rye, rye Manhattan. Ooh. All right. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Are you ready? Yes. You get a curveball <laughs> question. If somebody were to smoke a Virginia Perique tobacco blend, what is your favorite chocolate to pair with that that you make? Oh, yeah, that is a really good question. Okay, let me think about that. I Okay, <laughs> I'm going through all of our kind of different flavor profiles in my head here. I, I think I would say either our, our dark milk chocolate, um, which is our blend, it's our 57%, um, or the bourbon barrel. I think either of those would go really, really well. Um, the milk, I think because that like creaminess, our milk is kind of creamy and it's got some like berry fruity flavors, which I think would pair really well with the sweetness of the Virginias and the, and the Perique. And even if it's a little peppery, mm -hmm. um, I think that would work really well. And the bourbon, because I, I really like drinking bourbon when I'm smoking a Virginia Perique too. <laughs> um, so I think the bourbon is just, I think that'll just work because it's it's bourbon and Virginia Perique and what could, what could go wrong? <laughs> and your next regular question, when you, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie or music? Uh, yeah, it kind of depends on my mood. Um, mostly it's always a toss up between a book or, or music and then, and then my pipe <laughs> always with the pipe. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yes. Um, my buddy, uh, my other pipe smoking buddy that I mentioned, we road trip down to the Richmond, uh, core show. I think, what was it? it was almost two years ago now yeah. what, since COVID and everything. Um, but we just had a really awesome time. We had a really fun road trip together and um got to see all the all the pipes and the hangout at Sutliff. We we kind of briefly met you um in sort of in passing, <laughs> which was cool. Um and the tour of the tobacco factory was just really, really awesome. Um so that's a that's a great memory. And I just had I just had such a good time bumming around Richmond with my with my friends. So <laughs> So the website again is Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, Macaw, M-A-C-A-W dot com. Tons of chocolates on here. I'm getting all excited. So uh, anyway, uh, Matt, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, see each other somewhere on the road again. Yeah, I hope so, too. And, and thank you so much for having me, Brian. Please, um, you know, send me your address or a P.O. box or something and we'll send you some chocolate. <laughs> I really appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, that might actually make my wife happy, too. But <laughs> thanks again. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. 
Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. You know, I love talking to people that are passionate and knowledgeable about what they do. And uh, boy, Matt is one of those. Oh, God. Ah, chocolate. Anyway, all right, and I think this is a first because the music that we are going to play is uh, Matt's wife, Erin, performing the cello suite number one in G major, the prelude from a, uh, from a pipe smoker. So this is the uh, wife of a pipe smoker playing music of a former pipe smoker, um, one uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, very classical with that choice because I absolutely love that piece but you can also hear Aaron play in a couple of more modern groups uh, one is called Pompeii Graffiti the other one is the Black Rhinoceros Band and she's in a couple other groups so I may uh, I may cherry pick a couple pieces of her music 
for future shows. Check your mailbox, you moron! And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or you can go onto the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com, post it right there, all free to do iTunes in a five-star review. Thank you very much to Dunla, uh, Dunalp, D-U-N-A-L-P, who writes, absolutely love this show. If you smoke a pipe, you should listen. Brian does a great job providing hours of entertainment. Thank you very much. And notice he said entertainment because it's not always informational and uh, educational and not always. Well, it's always entertaining. Anyway, uh, and then Dino said from last week's show, I can see why Kevin's YouTube videos are so popular. He's very personable and pleasant. And like some of the other novice guests, he's so f- so very far ahead in his enjoyment of the pipe. I'm not a fan of the YTPC videos. I find them deathly boring. However, Kevin's are quite as enjoyable, uh, are quite enjoyable as are those by Bradley. I'm so glad you like the two cellos piece. Their videos are such fun to watch, entertaining both as music and as theater. Another spot on rant. Thanks, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. It was good to see you on the Zoom on Saturday, too. Uh, And then Casey Ghost says, another enjoyable show. Sunbear is kind of a gimmick tobacco to me. Seems like it's all hype with limited production so that it will sell out. Then next year we go through the same drill again. Nope, not for me. Kevin was an enjoyable guest, but is not as far along the pipe path as your other guests were. I thought his aha pipe moment was a rather well thought out answer to the, to the relight problem that beginning smokers have. Uh, when your pipe goes out, just relight it and don't worry about it. He doesn't have pretentious tastes. He is happy with 18 pipes and he dreams of owning an artisan Gandalf pipe someday. Not exactly shooting for the moon, and he seems very comfortable with his choices. (laughs) And then Dan goes on to say, uh, Has Dino ever disliked a single piece of music you've played? Uh, It seems like his tastes are so varied that he likes everything. Anyway, the first third of the music was enjoyable, the last third was enjoyable, and the middle third sounded like two cats with tails caught in a wall socket. (laughs) I always love love to hear what Dan has to say. Uh, and I do think there there has been some music that Dino hasn't liked, and he will point it out by not pointing it out. So now you have to go back through all the uh, comments to see if he didn't point out music somehow. There you go. All right. That's it. <laughs> Rant time's coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Thank you. 
I smoke my pipe while I drive my car, and I think more people ought to smoke a pipe while driving their car. Why? Because, well, just like when you smoke a pipe while you're reading, it helps you focus. When I smoke a pipe while driving a car, it helps me focus on, you know, just relax and focus. Uh, it also helps me not drive so fast. Kevin, God be. Uh, anyway, I smoke a pipe while I'm driving the car because it helps me relax. It helps me stay focused on what's going on. And I think more people ought to do that because of one, the accident in the uh, in the construction zone. Two, while driving around Ohio, the two people that blatantly ran red lights. And three, the people that were two cars behind us while we were driving back to the hotel from dinner on Saturday night who decided to rear-end the guy behind us, didn't push him into us, but it sounded kind of loud and clunky, and then they decided to take off. And I turned around to make sure that the guy was okay and give and exchange information. Turns out he's a guy in the Army just relocating and driving across country as he moves from Colorado to Washington DC and these two little punks in their little uh, in their little car hit him in the back and then pulled up to him and told him yeah pull over we'll exchange information and then they took off so bunch of loser ass punks anyway if they were smoking a pipe you know what they might have been paying attention and not hit the guy in front uh, yeah, when we get into traffic, I do tend to uh, put the pipe down, or if you know, if the weather gets a little iffy, I tend to put the pipe down in the ashtray so that it's not hanging out of my mouth. But I'm pretty sure that if more people would smoke a pipe while they drive, they'd be more relaxed, be more focused, and uh, probably be better drivers. Guarantee there's some people that they wouldn't be worse drivers. That's for damn sure. All right, there you go. Another episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, if you have any comments or uh, you know reviews from the uh, from the NASPC, NASPC show, please send them my way. I'd love to read them on the show. A uh, special shout out to two ladies that were at the show. Uh, Mrs. Spike, who uh, was just a treat to get a chance to talk to. Uh, and uh, Trixie, my uh, other Disney fanatic friend who... Uh, she and I share the same uh, same loves of uh, Sorcerer Mickey and uh, most things Disney, so that was fun to chat with them. All right, thank you to uh, Matt for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to I'm going steady, and I French kiss. So everybody does that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it.